Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of The How To. The How To podcast is a lifestyle podcast on creating the life you want. This week's guest is one of my favorite people to follow on Instagram, Aubrey Howe, or as some of you might know her as Kale Couture. Whether it's shoe sales or weekly meal prep recipes, she's my go-to girl. Aside from running a successful lifestyle blog, she's also a full-time kindergarten teacher. She's getting married to her fiance Taylor next year and has the cutest dog named Poppy. I'm not kidding when I say I don't even know Poppy, but like, I'd die for Poppy. This week we dive into how she started, her advice for people wanting to start blogging, and all of her tips and tricks she's learned along the way. Things like working with brands, contracts, money, and a little rapid fire at the end. I love getting to chat with her and I can't wait for you guys to hear. So let's get started. Hi, Aubrey. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Good. Thank you so much for being on the How To Podcast. Of course. My last name's in the title. I had to say yes. I know. I know. <laughs> I've been thinking of something fun we could do with that. <laughs> I love it. Yes. But yes. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for asking. Yes. And that only works, I guess, until for a few more months because you, you know get what? married next year, right? Let's hope. Don't, don't jinx it at this point. Like yeah. we don't, <laughs> the heck no. Yeah. <laughs> you'll yeah. just be a how forever. Yeah. You know what? At this point I've earned it. So it mm -hmm. is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> for the people who are listening and don't know what's kind of your intro to people. Yeah. So I'm Aubrey, obviously. I am the creator of Kale Couture. Um, that's my Instagram account as well as my blog. Um, and my blog is named the same thing. I run both of those myself. Kale Couture is just kind of my mashup of everyday life, whether it's health, fitness, which are both things that I'm really passionate about, food, healthy food, balancing it out with not so healthy food, um, and then everything else in between. So my teaching life, which is what I do, actually full-time um, and then obviously my family and clothes and fashion and everything kind of encompassed under my everyday life and the things that I love. So just a little bit of everything. That's perfect. What grade do you teach? I teach kindergarten. So the babies. <gasps> Crazy. How <laughs> yeah. has that been with COVID? Have they been pretty excited or not really know what's going on? It's not like they know any different, obviously. Not as many play dates and birthdays party birthday parties look a little bit different this year, which is like all they really care about. But other than that, school wise, things are good. They get temperature checks and they have to wear masks at the end of the day and things like that. They are very resilient little people. So we <laughs> we need to be more like them, honestly. <laughs> yes, I know. I feel like they're handling it like champs. Yes, hundred percent they are. <laughs> so in addition to teaching full time, you do your blog, Kale Couture. How did that start? Like have you always known you wanted to go into blogging? What's the story there? So my roommate and I, after college, both decided that um, we each had a niche, so to speak. So I was more of like the health, fitness, healthy recipes side of things. And she was really passionate about clothes, makeup, hair, things like that. And we were at a happy hour one night and we had really never discussed this before ever. And I always say after probably one too many glasses yeah. of wine, a little bit of liquid courage. It's always just, the happy hours. Exactly. Yes. That's where the best things come to life. We decided like, you know, the everyday average person is interested in, in both of those areas. So we're like, why don't we just do this together and see how it goes. And we just kind of took it from there. So that's, that is how everything really started. So you were the kale. She was the couture. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Yep. I get that. That makes sense. Yeah. So what year was that? That was January of 2017. Okay. Like Instagram influencers and bloggers are around, but I also feel like brands totally haven't taken advantage of it yet. Yeah. I mean, I think that 
back then, um, it was not nearly, it was either not as saturated as it is now, or I just wasn't as big into Instagram at the time. I don't really know. Cause I look back and I'm like, I wasn't following nearly the amount of people that I am now. And I don't feel like other people were either. So like I said, I don't know if it was just me at the time and not being super into social media, or if it's just now it really has multiplied and just become so saturated with influencers and bloggers. So yeah, back when we started, it wasn't, wasn't quite what it is now. Yeah, for sure. I mean, calling it what it is an influencer, but I feel like sometimes that word is so cringy and it's like, "Ah." (laughs) (laughs) yeah, yeah, for sure. I think it definitely, it gets a bad rap, but I mean, that is what we're doing on a day-to-day basis. So call it what you will. (laughs) Yes. Obviously she is no longer part of it now. Did you always know you were going to break off at some point? Did you think it was always going to be co-run? Our intention was that it would always be the two of us running it together. Um, And that was our long-term plan, but she ended up moving. I'm from Kansas city, obviously. And she moved to North Carolina and just the distance was really hard. She was trying to get things together in her own life. And I was doing the same and just kind of trying to cohesively do that together was not conducive to running one blog. So we just decided that it was better if I took it over. Honestly, I'm so thankful for the whole journey and the experience and the way that it all went down because I would not be here without without her and without starting together. I'm still so thankful for the beginning of that journey because she is what I needed um, to kind of get things going and her allowing me to kind of continue it on my own is what got me here. So yeah, it was never my intent for it to just be me, but it's just the way that it happened. And she has a blog of her own now. So we're both doing our thing and it's great. Yeah. That's awesome. And now it's like huge. Now you have over 50,000 followers, which by the way, for people who don't know listening, I met you back in August, like it's already grown over 10,000 people. That's insane. Did you ever imagine it would have this much growth? This was just grown out of a passion and something that we kind of both thought we were good at. And I had no idea, will people pick this up? Will they will they like it? Will they not? And so now to be here, no, it's, it is mind boggling to me. And I think I often forget how many people that is. Taylor, my fiance will remind me, you know, you can almost fill a chief stadium and like thinking of it term in terms of that is kind of wild to me. So yeah, it's crazy. It's, no, never ever in my wildest dreams that I expect that it would be what it is, but I'm so thankful. And obviously I, I want to continue to grow it and, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, definitely. Whenever you had started the blog, did anyone ever kind of like eye roll at you? Because I feel like influencers kind of started becoming like kids from your high school that wanted to become rappers, like another one, you know, did anyone ever kind of be like, this is, this might not be your journey. I mean, no, if I were to start now, I would definitely be like, Oh, what are people going to think? And honestly, still today, I have friends that not like they ever make fun of it, but you know, and I'm very honest in that I make fun of myself and there are things that I cringe (laughs) over myself doing, but that's kind of, again, the name of the game, but we also didn't like really blast it. It was kind of our behind the scenes, like side hustle type thing. So which was nice because when you're trying to build it up, you don't necessarily want like everybody and their brother knowing in your personal life outside of that, of (laughs) course you want to grow. But at the same time, we were kind of quiet about it. I'm kind of thankful that that we started back when we did, because I feel like now it's just, there's such a stigma with it. Um, So I'm glad that I have somewhat of a following at this point, just because it's like, okay, I feel like I have a little bit of street cred and yeah. <laughs> people are, people take it seriously. So definitely when you think about a specific post or a blog, was there one thing that went viral or have, has it been more of a steady grow since you started? 
Definitely slow and steady um, for the most part. Obviously, there's been things here and there that have have been big, but nothing that was like overnight skyrocketed 10,000 followers, anything like that. The one thing that I can think back on, especially early on, um, was the Pancake Bites, which is, I feel like kind of now a part of who I am and my brand and people know, you know, they know that recipe which is amazing. That one, it's still my most viewed blog post and wow. is by far the most recreated over the years. So that obviously helped a lot. And that's when I started to really see people recreating the recipe and tagging me and posting it on Instagram. So that obviously helped. But other than that, definitely, it's just been slow and steady. At this point, you're like growing a lot, you're getting steady, and now you're over 52,000 followers, which is awesome. And so now let's start getting into a little bit on like advice that you have for people or what people are always wondering about being a, you're not a full-time blogger, but you freaking hustle like one. I swear, like <laughs> there are people I know who are full-time bloggers. Like I am. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like you're literally like killing it yeah. and they're doing Thank it full-time. So that's yes. great. Yeah. Something I talk about a lot, like life really is filled with a lot of like luck and good opportunity. But I think a lot of people really overlook the amount of work it takes to run a blog, to run an Instagram, because to a lot of people, it's just Instagram or it's just like, oh, you just have to like put your yeah. recipe on a website. What are some of the things that like the hard things that people don't see that would just totally make everything crumble if you didn't do? Yeah, well, there's a laundry list. Right. <laughs> but no, I, it's just one of those things when you, like I said, this grew out of a passion for like health healthy recipes, fitness, working out, things like that. Well, it can't just be about a passion for that. And that's really what I've learned over the years. In the beginning, um, it was obviously very surface level. When you're just growing and starting out, you don't know the ins and outs of things. And now that I'm here and I look back and I'm like, oh my gosh, if I only knew, like, I don't even know that I would have done this. Like, I love what I do now. I am so, so passionate about it. Um, but at the same time, it's like, okay, when you take on deciding to do this, you overnight kind of become, you know, a content creator, a photographer, an editor, you know, a hand in graphic design, you have, you have to wear a business hat, you're in sales, you're, I mean, there are so many things that I'm like, just in one post that you see, you know, you might scroll past it in two seconds. And that literally might have taken me 20 to 30 hours, depending on what it is or how much content has been created for that one post. There is such a stigma of, you know, being an influencer, but at the same time, there is so much back end work that no one sees. So I think that's the hardest part is just taking on so much responsibility when you may have just thought that, oh, you know, this is just about snapping a quick picture and throwing it up on Instagram. It is so much more than that. I think whenever Kodiak Cakes worked with you, that's so telling about how much time it took. Like some people just tuned into the event and it looked like we yeah. just kind of rolled in town and called you guys up. But what people yeah, didn't we were all know, just there. <laughs> yeah. What people didn't know is like, it was literally months and months of planning yeah. and having deadlines and eating recipes. Like it really is running your own business. But I think for some reason, people have such a hard time wrapping their minds around like, oh, your personal brand is a business. It just doesn't click. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing is that if you don't know, you don't know. If you were to ask Taylor now, he's like, I have so much respect for what you do just because he sees the day in and day out. But you know, any, anyone else, if you're not living with me and seeing what I'm doing day to day, you have no idea. I mean, my, my family doesn't even know what I do just because mm -hmm. this isn't 
this isn't something that we all broadcast and, and show this side of, which it's, it's the boring part. No one wants to see this part, but at the same time, it is all of this back end work that makes that one Instagram post or that one blog post, whatever it is, people have no idea. So now let's talk about like an organic loyal following. Cause again, if people don't know, you have a very um, cult following as I like to call it. Um, whenever we worked together, we had like a chat function. And I remember like you had said something like about your pancake bites and it was in this awesome yeah. exclusive recipe book that people weren't going to get until next week. And someone's like, where's the recipe? And like 13 <laughs> people within seconds were like, it's right oh, yeah. here. It's right here. Obviously you yeah. know that it's right yes. here on the blog. They're crazy. And, but that's so special because there's so many influencers that have like a hundred thousand followers, but might get a hundred, 200 likes on their photos. And what people don't realize is that just because someone has a lot of followers doesn't mean that people care. And so you have a really, really great engagement rate. I don't know what it is off the top of my head, but I remember like you were definitely way over what the industry average is and the industry average is like two to 3%. How do you keep <laughs> an organic and loyal following? I don't know if there's something exactly that you do. We talked earlier about how it's yeah. been a really nice, slow growth, but sometimes there are people who just get bombarded by bots. They don't even mean to, and then immediately mm -hmm. engagement rate tanks. So yeah. are there any steps that you do to avoid that? Okay. Kind of a two-part answer. So right. as far as the bots thing, I think, and this might be getting like too technical and I don't even know that this <laughs> is like a proven fact, but I feel like when you're using like third-party apps or like follow unfollow apps, or I honestly, I don't know because I can only, I can only handle like what I do on this side of things. So I can't imagine yeah. like trying to keep up with like those apps, like with the fake engagement and the fake comments and likes and all those things. But I do think if you just stick to Instagram and Instagram alone and you know, you're not clicking around on fishy things and you're not working with third-party apps. I think that definitely that's a way to avoid bots and obviously not purchasing likes and followers. I know that is obviously what creates those things and is the reason that they are around. So I've never done any of those things. I think people get bombarded with those regardless. I think that's just a part of Instagram. But as far as engagement goes, I really want to cater to the followers that I have right now. I am not a person that is always chasing new followers. I mean, I obviously I am, I want to grow, but at the same time, I am so loyal to the people that have been so loyal to me. The people that are following me right now, those people matter more than someone who's not here yet. The reason I say that is because if you kind of think about it from a sales perspective, it's easier to like, I was thinking today about Bayblash. They're one of the brands that I work with. Obviously my goal is to make sales for them. And it's easier to make a sale to a returning customer who already loves the product because they have experience with the product. So it's easier for me to make that sale than it is for me to pitch to new people and get them to really take my word for it on a new product. So that's kind of how I think of it in terms of followers. I want to appeal to those returning customers or returning followers or the people that are following me right now, as opposed to chasing after all of these new people, because your following right now are the people that are getting your name out. So the people that are following me are tagging me in recipes. They're sharing me with their friends and family, or they're sending my posts via DM, you know, as opposed to like one post blowing up on the discover page or something. I have a lot of people that have been around for like a really, really long time. And I just feel like I owe it to them to, you know, keep appealing to them and catering to them and others will follow all the new people who aren't here yet. That will happen organically. If you are focusing on the right demographic. 
Totally. And what are your thoughts whenever people, whenever they start building their following, like they immediately start jumping into 16 different giveaways, like great in theory. Cause it's like, okay, you follow all these people, you get a bunch of likes on your photo. This helps. Do you think that there's a balance of how many giveaways you should actually be participating in? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. There's no magic like number, like you should be doing this many, but at the same time, I think people can really tell when it's an organic giveaway or you're just literally slapping up a story and it's like, follow these nine people and you might get a thousand dollar gift card. Like it's just, it's so easy to tell. Giveaways are so touchy as it is, but I really try to only do giveaways with myself and the brand or people that are my followers are already familiar with that I've talked about before or people that are in the same area that I am. It's all about making it organic and, you know, are the people that are partnering with you on the giveaway people that your followers are going to want to follow. For sure. Like you have a crew in Kansas city of like all the bloggers in the areas. And I always love seeing you guys work together. And I, and I was able to meet a few of them as well, like with the event we did. And yeah, it's always awesome too, to see like the friendships that you have online truly are genuine friendships offline. Also, this is a random question that that I've always wondered whenever Mm -hmm. it's before we hop into brands, but whenever you have those giveaways, it's like a $1,000 gift card to target are the influencers themselves pitching in for that. And so it's like, let's all put in a hundred dollars. So someone can win a thousand. Honestly, that is a question that some of my friends and I have even talked about because like with the giveaway that I just did for Lulu and Trader Joe's and all that, we paid for that. I've seen giveaways that are like, okay, $12,000, $20,000, a new car. I'm like, I don't know if those are being paid for by an agency. I've gotten emails that are like, okay, the buy-in for this is this, and we're going to pitch in this like from a company. So I don't know. I have no idea. I just think those are so fishy. It's just so, I don't know. It's kind of disheartening from someone on my end because it's like, I don't have $12,000 to offer you. And right. It just stinks because that's just not content that you've really spent time trying to create um, for your followers. It's just money. It's money driven. And I just kind of hate that that is still, that's still allowed. Right. A different story for another day. Yeah, no, that's good. I've literally always wondered. And that's another thing people don't know either is like bloggers are putting their own money forward. Would you say it's a good way to grow? Yeah. I mean, every so often. Um, you know, I think that's totally fine. I think it, it too, if you're doing it in the right way, it's exposing you to a new audience that is hopefully going to be interested in you that may have never seen you before, just because sometimes you just don't get shown to people. And that's how, that's just the way Instagram is. So I definitely think that doing a gift card or giveaway every so often with the right people, I think it's totally fine. Definitely. So moving into brands, because I feel like this is a question everyone always has. What's the best way to reach out to brands? If you're just starting out, should you be cold emailing and being like, Hey, I love your product coming from the brand side of things. You know, you get an email that you totally know someone just copy and pasted. And they're like, I love eating healthy, would love to collab. And it's like, okay, they probably sent that to 12 (laughs) other food brands. I would say, and first of all, I'm going to be really transparent. I've definitely, when I was first, first, first starting out, I definitely sent some of those emails just because it's like you, you know, you can only tag people so often and post Definitely. on your story so much. And honestly, it works sometimes. So I can't say that like, you know, never reach out to brands on your own, especially when you're first starting out, because it definitely does work. For sure. Um, but yeah, maybe not like just a copy and paste email to 900 people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would say really 
post about the products that you love. I mean, those brands have Instagram accounts for a reason. They respond, they see your posts, they have someone running those accounts that sees the messages and sees the tags. So if you're posting enough and it's organic and they feel like you're going to be a good fit, then they're going to offer you something, you know, whether it's product exchange or whatever it is, it's definitely worth it in some cases. And I mean, obviously some of the brands that I first started out with are still brands that I work with today. So I definitely think there's something to be said for putting yourself out there, obviously make the email personal and, you know, really tell them why you want to work for them and what can you, what can you bring to the table? Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of this is too for people who are one curious and two kind of starting out because once you're big enough, you know, you've kind of established brands that you like working with and you have a flow there. There was a time and for two months I was going to do the whole influencer thing because I was trying (laughs) to learn more about, about the industry. So I was like, that'll be cool from an influencer perspective. You can kind of see it from all angles. And so it only, it only lived for two months. And again, like (laughs) it is a hustle. It's so hard, especially when you have a full-time job. But I remember, and I still to this day have like these Australian swimsuit brands like reaching out. And I think that's kind of attractive when you first start because you're like, okay, well, this this is it. This is like, I mean, yeah, they're going to share my my stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Or even there was like a hangover remedy type brand that wanted to work with me and they were legit like they were in stores but it it just didn't seem like that good but I remember I was like but I feel like they want to work together so I should just take it what is your advice for people who are like I can't I don't want to pass up anything but I also don't know if I really love this product if you don't love it, you're not going to do them any justice. It's not worth it on either end. You end up getting kind of cornered into something that you're probably going to be like, oh, why did I say yes to this? And that's going to show in the content that you you create. And at the same time, like that's not what they're looking for either. Do you think that there's like a magic number where it's like, all right, now you can be kind of picky about who you work with? Yeah, I do feel like I can be picky now. And I mean, like I said, that is not only for me, but that's for them too. I I don't want to do anyone a disservice by taking their product and then not not giving them something in return. So if I don't feel like I can really create something that is going to be beneficial to them, then I'm not going to waste their time or mine. I only have time to do a certain amount of things in my day. So I can't be saying yes to everybody because then I can't even do things that I want to do. When it comes to, because I, you know, you mentioned product trade. Obviously, everyone would love to get paid for their work and people should. Do you think that there's ever a time whenever you're first growing that it's kind of like you just need to take the product trade or if a really awesome company comes to you, a company that you really would like to work with in a bigger way in the future, would you work for product, you know, to start that Um, relationship? Yeah. I mean, in the beginning, you definitely have to, because if, I mean, it's just not, that's not the way it works. People are not going to pay you right off the bat, especially when you're really, really just starting out and don't have anything to show them like no numbers, no, no data, nothing. Then it's like, they're blindly saying yes to you. So I feel like, yeah, product exchange in the beginning is just the way that it works. But like I said, I did product exchange for some people and I work with them now and that's who I make some of the most money off of. So it's like when you put in the back end work and you show them like you're willing to, you're willing to create content just for product, especially in the beginning. And then later on you start growing and you start doing better then they're going to reward you for that. So I do think that in the beginning, that's just one of the things that you have to do. And I know it kind of sucks, but like I said, I'm thankful for that part of my journey because now that's who I have some of the best relationships with are people who I started out working for free for. And it's just been this kind of long journey, but without having ever done that or saying yes, I wouldn't be here now. No, I think that's a great point. And again, coming from the brand side of things, 
I, there have been people with Kodiak Cakes that have worked with us on a product basis back when our budgets were smaller. We have one, one girl who works with us and she just like absolutely blew us away. And then the next year we came back and we're able to give her a contract. So yeah, I think that's, yeah, a great example of like, sometimes you just got to, if you really are passionate about the brand, you love their product, it's totally worth it just to start small and then work your way up. Yeah. I mean, I think two things about what you said. One is that it's hard not to take it personally when they, you know, in the beginning when they're like, if they say they can't pay you at the same time, you have to realize that like sometimes depending on when it is in the year, all of their budget might be allocated. It's not necessarily always that they don't want to pay you. I think sometimes it's just kind of depends on the timing of things and where they're at. So you kind of going out on the limb for them and showing them, you know, I'll do what it takes, you know, whatever, let's just try this. And I think that really means a lot to them and they're not going to forget that if things go well. And the other part of that is my job now. I don't get paid now what I did the first year I was working. You kind of have to work your way up and you have to prove yourself. And the same with blogging. You can't expect to right out of the gate, make a ton of money because it's not smart for those brands. They can't pay every single person that comes to them and says that they're going to do great things. And what people don't know too, is like, there's also 20 other people who are coming to the brand and they're like, I'll do great things for you if you just yep. pay me. So it's, yeah, I, I agree. Exactly. It's, hard, it's hard to always know who actually is going to pull through. When you have 500 followers, a brand's, it's kind of hard for a brand to be like, all right, we can, we can put over a couple thousand for you. Like that's really hard. But was there ever yeah. a number you were like, okay, people are kind of starting to see I'm legit to see I have a good audience. Yeah. I kind of feel like around 20 maybe is when I started to get some traction and I started to feel like I had a little bit of leverage in conversations about budget. Definitely after you get the swipe up feature, just because from a brand perspective, I'm sure you would agree that it's really important. And that's just really, it's really easy when people have easy access and it's accessible to swipe up to a website or to a product. It's just so much more lucrative than just saying, click the link in my bio or here's the website sure. or whatever it is. So definitely 10,000 plus, but if not that probably around 20, I feel like that's when people started to talk money. I've worked with a lot of people from the brand side of it. And I really loved working with you because I loved how you were just to the point. Some people like yeah. love to kind of like meander yeah. and they're like, nye, 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 nye. yeah, I feel like you were great at <laughs> negotiating. And so something people don't know is like as much of it is like things that you're passionate about you do have to know your worth and you do have to yeah. understand that like, again, your personal brand is your business. You have to protect it at all costs. So if a brand comes to you and it's a little lower than what you were expecting, one is negotiating good Two, how do you do it? Three, have you ever been afraid a brand's going to like be like too high? Sorry, we're, we're going to cancel this partnership. Okay. You might have to remind me of, of all those <laughs> I questions. Know, I know. Yeah. I asked like Number 10 one. questions. <laughs> no, you're fine. Number one. Someone comes to you. It's too low. Would you negotiate? How do you negotiate? Yeah. I mean, I, I always want to give them the benefit of the doubt and I want to give them the opportunity to come back. I do think there is a line of like almost disrespect and I don't want that to sound like, you know, I'm holier than thou, but it just at a certain point, my, from my perspective, when I'm emailing back and forth, I know that the person that I'm emailing is not the person in charge of budget or has the actual money in their hands. I know that they're just kind of the liaison most of the time that said, there are people that are above you or that are giving you direction in your emails with me or whatever it is that you guys know what it takes to give you everything that you're asking for. You know, the behind the scenes and you know, you're not just some person off the street that's asking me to do this. You guys know the deliverables and you know what you're asking for. So for me, it's like, 
you know, for you to come at me with a really low number, you're, you are kind of disrespecting what I do because it's like, you don't, you're, you don't value what I do. And it's like, if you don't value it enough, then why are you coming to me? You don't need me, you know, you Mm -hmm. don't need me to create things for you, or you don't need the marketing. I don't know. Maybe that sounds dramatic, but that's kind of how it makes me feel because it's like, you guys, you know what I'm doing behind the scenes and you know, the hours and the time and everything Mm -hmm. that I kind of went over in the beginning. So I would say if it's just completely something that you would never even entertain, then it's okay to say, you know what, this just isn't right for me right now. And if, you know, in the future, your budget allows it, then I would love to work with you. But for right now, it's just going to be no, I've definitely sent emails like that before. And sometimes they'll come back and say, okay, wait, you know, what's it going to take? Or can you counter or whatever? And that's fine. But aside from that, I definitely think negotiation is good. And I think, I mean, you guys are expecting that. I don't, Mm -hmm. I can count like hardly ever that I've given a brand a number and they've come back and said, okay, we'll do it. You know, I mean, it's negotiation is part the name of the game. So yeah, I think negotiation is good. And unless it was some crazy, crazy, crazy low offer, um, I I don't think it's super smart to just shut someone down right out of the gate. Were you ever scared? Like, oh no, I hope I don't put it too high where people are going to start like not wanting to work with me because I'm being unrealistic. Do you have feelings like that? Yeah. And I still do. And I mean, I would lose sleep over like, oh my gosh, like I should have asked them for like $50 less, like, you know, looking back kind of ridiculous. And I'm, I mean, I'm hoping from your side, you would say like, we would never lose someone over that, but no one trains you for this. Like I'm a teacher. I don't make, I I don't play hardball with companies (laughs) as far as negotiating goes. So I am not the type that's like, okay, in the beginning, I wasn't like, I need this, I need this, or I'm not doing this. It was just kind of like, I don't know, you know, but at the same time, I wanted to ask for what, what I thought I deserved, but it's Mm -hmm. like, when you're still starting out, you don't want to lose people. There's, they still mean everything to you. So it's like, it's a balance between, I don't want to lose them. I want to be paid what I want to be paid. And I, I mean, I definitely lowballed myself a time or two just because I wanted to work with someone so bad, but I mean, it's all ended up fine and you're, you're no worse for the wear and every brand you work with teaches you a little bit more and you're kind of able to gather some things and then you're more prepared for the next. I totally agree with that. And if you want good work and you want a loyal following, like you have to front the money because it's what is going to actually make your product impactful. And like, that is what influencer marketing is. It's all about finding the right people. And I think too, whenever you work with brands, I'm sure like you see like who, what brands are actually valuing influencer marketing, because those are the brands who are willing to negotiate with you, negotiate deliverables and the brands who are really putting forth like a relationship. I think those are like some of the best brands to work for. That's really great hearing from your side too of like, I mean, everyone is always nervous when it's negotiating because yeah. you never <laughs> yeah. want to like high or low ball anyone. And so right. it's, a, it's right. a balance. And I think on our side, like I never think of that really from your perspective. Like I'm sure you get, you have the same nerves and you know, you don't want to lose people either. That's kind of what your whole job is. So mm-hmm. I don't, I never think of it that way either. A lot of the times I feel like it goes above you when it comes to like how much yeah. you can give someone because of your budget. Right. Then like someone comes back at you and you have to like go through two rounds of clearance just to like be able to offer something. I think that's yeah. important too. If someone super low balls you, it's almost not even worth the energy going back and forth right. because it's not going to end where you want it to end. No, exactly. Sometimes there's, you're just like, at what cost? Like it's, it's just not worth it. And that's totally okay. It's, I have always said walking away from the opportunities that I didn't think were right for me have paved the way for some amazing opportunities that I have now. So it's, 
no, can't lose sleep over the ones that didn't value you or, or it wasn't right because it's just making more room for, for opportunities to come your way that will make more sense. Let's talk about contracts too, because I think this is something people don't really know about. Do you need a contract? Is there a contract? Yes, there needs to be a contract just for legal purposes in terms of taxes and all that kind of stuff. Definitely there needs to be some sort of contract. And as far as deliverables too, like I need it in black and white. What do you want? What is, what's the agreement? What are you looking for? Definitely a contract is important. Is there anything specific that you always look for whenever you get a contract? I just keep thinking about people who are listening and maybe they just got their first contract and it's overwhelming and they don't really know what to look for. I would just say, make sure your pay is outlined, whatever you've come to in terms of agreement on money, because there's been a couple of times that via email, we've come to an agreement and then in a contract, it is not reflected or it's reflected a price that we have negotiated above. So like they either had that written into their contract and then just sent me that and forgot to update it after we talked or whatever it is. So obviously make sure that it's reflecting what you've come to an agreement on. Like I said, all of the deliverables are outlined in black and white. There's, you know, exactly what you're providing them. I'm trying to think what else I'm, this is one of my worst, my worst (laughs) aspects in terms of, um, in terms of blogging. And I've sent my mom plenty of contracts because I'm like, uh, but I do feel like at this point I've seen enough that I'm like, okay, I kind of skim to make sure it has things that I, that I know need to be in there. But other than that, I mean, signatures from both sides, I'm probably missing stuff. You're better about this stuff. You should probably give me a lesson in what I need need to be looking for, but I know what you mean. I mean, they can get, sometimes they're, I just had one that was like 20 pages long and I was like, Oh my gosh. I guess I would say um, one thing that just came to mind, exclusivity. So I know Mm -hmm. how long that period is and what is underneath the umbrella of exclusivity with whatever company it is. You could probably school me in (laughs) in contract contract reading. I just recently like had to write them a lot more and there's so much that goes into it. But uh, I I think that everything you said was good. I think the only other thing I would add is making sure it's clearly written when you'll be receiving payment because some people most I feel like most brands are pretty good about it but like some people it's like how much are you getting paid are you getting paid like all in one lump sum are you getting paid monthly is this going to be like in two payments so clearing that up I feel like is important exclusivity is good because some people will be like once you promote our coffee brand you can't promote any other coffee brand for for a year year after posting (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. depending on who it is. There's a yeah. lot of vari- variance in oh my gosh. the times that you get paid. <laughs> yeah. A 20 page contract sounds just awful. Yes. Yeah. I would be afraid if I was an, an influencer, I would miss something because it's, they can be really overwhelming. Yes, they are for sure. Let's hop back to more of like you and your personal life. Have you ever limited how much of your personal life that you share online? And since you've grown, have you had to readjust that? Yes. I mean, in the beginning or when I was growing more slowly and I was a little bit smaller, I didn't get nearly as many personal opinions, I guess, (laughs) so to speak. But now, yeah, I mean, you can post the sky is blue and people are going to be like, no, it's not. And it's like, I mean, no matter what you say, there is someone out there that will either disagree with you or will, you know, make something up to disagree with you just to kind of ruffle your feathers and get under your skin. And I think this year of any year ever in terms of, you know, COVID and everything going on, I have had to be not even careful. I'm never like hiding anything. I feel like I'm very open. Like you guys know what I'm doing on a day-to-day basis because you see it. That's what connects me to people. And that's what that personal relationship is what people love. And 
makes them feel like you're their friend or they know you. And I feel like that is something that I really, really try to work hard at. Sometimes those personal things that you share are the ones that are the most misconstrued or the most miscommunicated and just taken the complete wrong way. I guess I might understand it when you follow people online and you are sharing like so much of your day, people just assume you're just fresh bait and they can just say whatever they want to you. And it doesn't matter because you're putting it out there, but yeah, it's, it's really crazy to me just like knowing some of the things they say. I remember seeing one of your stories a few months ago and you just like had a sore throat and I think you might've had strep or something, but obviously you went to a doctor, you figured that out yep. and people were just like attacking you. Yes. Oh my gosh. I, and that was the thing is like, you know, after you've been sick for a couple of days, it's like, you forget that you sound different. And then that's when it occurs to me, like, okay, these people really do know me really well. Cause they listen to me all the time and they know that my voice is different. And <laughs> I mean, it didn't even occur to me. And after that day, oh my gosh, I probably had 20 messages from people being like, I can't believe you wouldn't tell us that you had COVID like all this. <laughs> stuff. And I was like, I like, I was just flabbergasted, but I mean, yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you say. You're always going to be hated for something. It's like I was telling my mom in that example, if I had shown me getting tested, then it was like, well, people are going to come after me for that. And if I, you know, it's just, it doesn't matter. You it can does never not matter. Win. There is, you can never win. And the good always outweighs the bad. And I really try to remember the times that I'm like, oh my gosh, I love this. These people are amazing. These messages, like, you know, are amazing because you have to hold on to that during the times that it gets to be that way, because it is just mentally and emotionally draining sometimes. Is there ever a time that you're like with Taylor, your mom, and they're just like, you got to get off your phone. Cause I think it's so easy to always feel like there's work to be done when it's, it's your Instagram. It's what you use every day, but that's essentially where your job is at. So is there ever a time that you just have to like shut it off? Yeah. And that's like still kind of what I'm learning. And that sounds dumb, like four years in, I'm still trying to figure it out, but it's hard because the, the bigger you get, the more following you have, the more messages you get, and the more you have to be on and, you know, answering those messages and the comments and all that. Um, and the emails and, and all everything, everything just multiplies. And it's hard because if this was my full-time job, then I feel like, you know, and I say this, this is like my crutch. I say that I would be better at, you know, turning it off and only working a certain amount of hours per day, but teaching kindergarten means that my off time from that is my on time for the blog because I don't do anything blog related at school. So it's just, it's a hard balance, but yeah, there are for sure times that Taylor's like, okay, put it away. Like you got to stop. And <laughs> yeah. it's, I, I need that. And I appreciate that. And it, I always, you know, sometimes I get frustrated, but I know, you know, when he says something, then it's, it's time because it, it can get out of hand. I could be on it. You know, I could be on it every minute of the day and I still would, would, would not, be enough. And yeah. not get everything done that I wanted to get done. No. Are there ever any critics who like try to tell you, Oh, like you guys shouldn't be doing this. Like maybe you should put your phone away at dinner. I don't know how long ago it was, but there was a time that I had posted on my story that we were at a restaurant and it was like a wine glass or a boomerang or something. And someone was like, I don't know how anyone could be with you for the amount of time that you're on your phone. Like you're even on date night and you're still on your phone. And it's just like, people don't realize that on days that I have, you know, I think they're like 10 seconds long. So it's like really when you add up the amount of stories that you might see in one day, even though those little boxes at the top look (laughs) so small, 
it really is such a small part of my day, but it's still a really meaningful way for me to connect. I can't be pumping out blog posts every single day, but I still feel like that's kind of part of the whole relational aspect. If you see me on stories and I'm posting, you know, every so often, that's like part of why I'm here. So it's hard to really turn it off. But to your point, yes. I mean, people make comments about that. They make, I mean, I'm so sarcastic when it comes to my relationship <laughs> with Taylor and the majority of people think it's funny. I think yeah. <laughs> there's a small majority of people that are just like, do you guys even like each other? Like, I don't even oh, know why no. you're getting married. Like just, you know, things like that. So people love to have an opinion and it's really easy to say things behind a phone because there's no repercussions. I guess now you've been in it long enough, but like to always like brush it off, that would yeah. really be hard. <laughs> it's not always easy. I definitely have... <laughs> I've cried about things before and you know, I mean, that's just part of it. I've talked to other influencers, I guess about this and it's like, I don't know why, you know, I could go through a month of the most amazing messages from people and the greatest conversation and just really meaningful connection and a single really nasty message. And like, you know, it totally replaces all of that whole month and that's not the way it should be. So I really try to just focus on the good and just know, I think setting yourself up with the right expectation of you can't win no matter what Mm -hmm. is kind of how you beat the system. Yeah, exactly. Aside from just like working hard, never give up, stay persistent. (laughs) What is like the best advice that you could give someone who is like, I want to do what you do. Like, where's a good first step to start? I think one thing that was never really mentioned to me and not that like I took courses on it or anything, but I think something that's not really talked about that often is really cultivating a good blog, Instagram, like it's so volatile. You know, we don't own Instagram. I don't own anything on Instagram. I feel like it's like they could delete the app tomorrow and all that to say, really cultivate a quality blog with some really good blog posts and things like that, just so that you always have something that's yours. In reality, there's a lot of other revenue streams that are a lot more beneficial than Instagram. And not that it's always about revenue, but just if you're wanting to do this long-term, that's most of the time, that's part of your goal. Your blog is the meat of your content and where people spend more of their time if they're, you know, looking to make recipes and things like that. So more than anything, focus on a really good blog. Instagram should be secondary. Other than that, just, I don't know, cheesy, 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 but be yourself. I spent a lot of time in the beginning looking, it's good to get inspiration from other people, but I spent a lot of time copying what other people would do, so to speak, not copying, but just really emulating things that I saw really successful people doing. I think it's easy with how oversaturated the influencer marketing scene is now. It's easy to be like, okay, well, I want to be like this person, or I'm going to do this, this, and this, because they did it and they're really successful. Be yourself and really focus on the followers that the followers that you have and don't always be after the chase of people that are not following you yet. Definitely. I love that. Lastly, quick rapid yeah. fire. I I actually only have like a few written down, so this might be short. <laughs> okay. I, I, in my head, I, I did you this can the make other night. <laughs> yeah, I did this the other night when I was like falling asleep. And uh, in my head, I had like 20, but uh, I okay. only have like four. So maybe I'll think of some up on the spot. Yeah, think of some. <laughs> okay. Would you rather be a blogger or an influencer if you could only pick one for the rest of your life? Oh, um, blogger. Pepsi or Coke? Coke. Coke Zero. Okay. Smart, smart. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> this one only, it would be only for Kansas City people, but Q39 or Joe's? Oh, Joe's. No question. Taylor would disagree with that, but Joe's 100%. And if you disagree, <laughs> you're wrong. 
I know Joe's is Joe. I feel like Q39 is where you like take your parents and Joe's is yeah, like where you grow. Yes. hundred percent. Yeah. I'm still yes. on like Oklahoma Joe's budget right now. So yeah, seriously, <laughs> you're like, I'm going to need some more partnerships in 2021. Uh, if yeah. I can eat at Q39. Yeah. <laughs> Kodiak cakes. Come on. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Pancake bites or your cake cookies. I mean, I feel like I need the, to read the room right now. Pancake <laughs> I know. I'm like, huh? No. Yeah. Yeah. Which is it? I have made the cake cookies though. They're like delicious. They're awesome. They're so, they are so good. I agree. Instagram post or Instagram stories? Story. This isn't really a one or the other, but what's your biggest like failed recipe? Last year, I think it was last year. And this is how bad it was. It still sticks out to me. Oh, no. um, I was trying to make rice crispy treats, candy corn. I don't, don't even ask me what, like that's it's oh, not no. any, anything within the realm of anything I do, but I was like, I'm just going to try this. I was like, you know, melt down the candy corn, like mix it with rice crispy, you know, surely it would work. No, it was the worst thing I've ever done. I had oh, to throw no. away the pan. It was so sticky that nothing would come out. So, I mean, that's, there's a laundry list. That's not the only thing, but I was like, oh my God, what have I done? <laughs> Hy-Vee or Trader Joe's? Oh, Trader Joe's. I love, love Trader it. Joe's. Okay. And then the last one, Poppy or Taylor? Oh my gosh. <laughs> They're both there. How could you do you? this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Taylor, obviously. Right. I know Poppy knows that I'd actually pick her, but yeah. we'll keep that between <laughs> Just her Just to I. help the ego, help the ego. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm still trying to get married. So once we're yeah. married, then I'll pick Poppy. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Yep. Everyone wins. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. If people want to learn more about you, where can they find you? Yeah. So Instagram, it is Kill Couture, um, K-A-L-E-K-O-U-T-U-R-E. And then my blog is spelled the exact same way, www.killcouture.com. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining me this week and we will talk to you soon. Thank you. So good to talk to you.